0: I'm Nono Leria, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast.
1: I've been arguing as of late that we put the cart before the horse, that we try to build our financial lives before we consider our unique sense of purpose and meaning in this world. But purpose, that's a big word. How the heck does one discover one's purpose? In my book, Taking Stock, A Hospice Doctor's Advice on Financial Independence, Building Wealth, and Living a Regret-Free Life, I argue that my hospice patients, the terminally ill, can help show us the way. During end-of-life care, we do something called a life review. It is a structured set of questions asked to help clarify one's life goals, aspirations, and even regrets. Today, here on Earn and Invest, we are going to do a modified life review. Except our guest today is not terminally ill. Far from it. He is young, healthy, and most importantly, contemplating his own sense of purpose and direction. Nuno Ledia is a senior engine programmer at Epic Games. He grew up in Portugal, but left shortly after graduating from the University of Lisbon to do a master's in games programming from the University of Hull. Today, among other things, he is currently contemplating what his future career path looks like. To answer these questions, he has graciously agreed to be recorded and doing a guided life review exercise. My good friend, Nunu, welcome to Earn and Invest. I'm so happy to have you on the show.
0: Thanks, Jordan. appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. We are going to dive right in because there is a lot of ground to cover here. And when we're talking about a life review, we're talking about your whole life. And I want to start with your childhood. Nunu, tell me your greatest childhood adventure. Maybe it was your happiest day as a child. Do you have a strong memory from when you were little?
0: I'm not sure that I would say the happiest, but I do have a strongest memory, and that's when I was playing Final Fantasy VII, and there it hit me. This is I knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted this. What I was feeling is what I would have liked other people to feel. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be a game developer. And that's the strongest memory I have from my childhood because it set me up for the rest of my future.
1: How old were you at the time? I was around 12. And can you remember what that felt like? What was that feeling? What did it feel like inside? It felt
0: like clarity. (laughs) It felt like overwhelming emotion. And it felt peaceful afterwards. It was an non-rush of emotion and clarity and just a discovery. It was a moment of insight. It was like, oh, this is it. But I'm not sure that I can do it justice in words.
1: <laughs> so you're 12 years old. Was that the first time you had ever had that kind of feeling before?
0: First and only. I've never had it again.
1: I was about to say, so never as an adolescent teenager, an adult, you've never kind of had that epiphany? No, never. Tell me about your childhood dreams. And let's go before that moment, right? Before you had that episode where you're playing the game. Do you remember having any dreams as a really little kid about who you wanted to be or what you wanted to do?
0: No, not really. There were friends that were in the Air Force or were in the military. And because I was surrounded and with that background, I looked up to them. And so I felt, oh, maybe this is what I would like to do. This sounds pretty cool. But not as a major overwhelming force of, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. Almost as a, a when and not an if. It was not at all like that. Uh, but when I was playing that game and I had that emotion, I knew it right there and then.
1: And did that become kind of your life dream after that? Were you like, I'm going to make these games that make people feel the way I just felt?
0: Yeah, exactly. And for the next 10 years, that was
1: what I pursued until I got it. Was there ever any doubt? Was there ever anything like, boy, that's a dream. You can't do that. Or that's really tough. And only a small number of people actually end up making these games.
0: There was no plan B. It was an if, not a when. It absolutely had to happen. And it did.
1: Right now we're talking about a lot of the positive feelings from childhood. Let's go back. Are there any memories that haunt you? Any big failures or or times when you felt like you let yourself down as a kid?
0: Yeah, there is a... There are some memories around not doing well enough at school because I never did well enough in things that I didn't care about or didn't see the purpose of. And I only really excelled when I went into computer science and started doing things that I really cared about. And so I have some memories of doing, for example, a bad at, of doing badly at maths and feeling like I was letting uh, my family down or my mom down because I could see the i the sacrifice that she was making to raise me because I didn't grow up with that many means and so I could see the sacrifice and I felt like I had to retribute or pay it forward and so if I was feeling that I was wasn't doing that well, that didn't sit well with me.
1: So at the age of 12, you discover your purpose through gaming. This is what you were meant to do. How did your family react to that? Did you talk to your parents or siblings or friends about that? And were they supportive? Yeah,
0: actually, I think that's one of the major advantages I have now speaking with other people that had the same dreams, but didn't fulfill them. That advantage of speaking with my mom and saying, hey, this is what I would like to do. And this is the path. This is what it's going to take. And she just said, hey, are you sure? (laughs) She said, you're probably going to have to do a lot of mathematics and physics. And you don't seem to be really passionate about it. You really like languages, not these other things. Are you sure? And I said, I will do whatever it takes. So, yes, I'm sure. And she said, "Okay, I will help you out uh, whenever I can and however I can. And so that's how it went.
1: And so you felt very supported in this dream. It wasn't like people were telling you you couldn't do it. You felt like your family was behind you and this was something you could do. Yes. I
0: think there were sometimes some colleagues that were, you know, oh, this is pretty hard and you want to be with your family and you have to leave the country. So there were some doubts, but I thought that was pretty normal. I never had any doubts myself. And so I didn't take it into consideration. I just needed my mom's approval and support. That was all that was required.
1: You know, you said that there was a time in your life where you were feeling in a sense a a sense of failure because there were, let's say, courses in school, mathematics, things you weren't interested in. So you didn't necessarily do a great job in them and you felt bad for not doing better at them. But then at the age of 12, you discover there's this thing you love, you talk to your mom about it, your mom's like, I'm on board, as long as this fulfills you. And I'm wondering if finding that thing you loved and having your mom's support kind of relieved some of that guilt of not trying as hard at other things? Or did you carry that throughout the rest of childhood, where you always felt kind of bad for not pushing harder on some of those subjects that didn't feel as important to you?
0: I think at the deeper sense, I still carry that, that feeling of, oh, I want to do better and I want to do a little bit more. And per- perhaps it comes from that time. But I also feel like for the most part, it comes from a good place. It comes from a place of of wanting to do something because I really want to, not from a negative place. And so while I think that perhaps some part of it uh, still lingers on, I think for the most part, it was actually a very positive thing. Because it turned once I found that purpose, all of the things that I wasn't doing well previously, I knew that I had to do well. Otherwise, I wouldn't achieve my dream. And so I just focused even more on getting them done well. And so I I didn't have a feeling of guilt because I knew that I would have to do them anyway.
1: Would you describe yourself as, as a confident kid? Did you have a lot of confidence in yourself and your abilities when you were little?
0: No, not really. I wasn't very confident and confidence only came and I only connected the dots looking backwards. Confidence only came once I saw, once I could trust myself to achieve what I proposed myself to achieve. I said, I'm going to achieve this dream and 10 years later, I did. Once I saw that, confidence started to seep in and then spread through other areas of my life. But as a kid, not at all.
1: So in a sense, there had to be proof in the pudding you had to show yourself that you could actually do it before you started feeling good about yourself absolutely you you mentioned 10 years did did it take you 10 years of kind of going from for instance being interested in gaming and programming at the age of 12 to the age of 22 where you feel like okay now I've accomplished this goal and I'm starting to feel good about myself
0: yeah so when i was 12 was when i was when i had this epiphany and then i realized okay how do I actually get there, right? And that's when I realized that there are many paths to be a game developer. I could do art, I could do story, I could do music, but to be honest, I'm no good at any of those things, (laughs) but I'm pretty good at logic. And it turns out that I'm also pretty good with computers and programming was just was just a natural fit. So I taught myself programming and I taught myself how to make games even before I went to college. And I could see that this was actually the thing that I wanted to do. And so that path afterwards became clear once I realized that, okay, first I need to do well in in maths and physics and all of those things that previously I wasn't good at. I'm still not great at, by the way. But anyway, I could see the path of I need to do well here so that I can get into computer science Uh, so that I can go specialize in games programming so that I can actually become a professional game developer.
1: I'm interested as I hear you talk about this. These are obviously your formative years. Do you think there was joy in the journey or was it much more in the destination? Like, were you doing these things because you had to to get to that all-important destination or did you kind of dig being in the midst of it and learning all these things on the way?
0: I love the learning. And there was a lot of joy in the journey. I think the goal was not so much a destination. It was more of a direction. And I only realized that afterwards, because while I was doing it, it was definitely a goal. But I didn't really care that much how I would arrive. And so it was more of a direction. And then there was a lot of joy in the process of just learning how to make these games. And I had a a rough idea of the path that would take me there. But then I was still the one to have to book it, right? I would still have to do all of the daily steps to actually do it. And it took a really long time to get it done. But I knew that eventually I would get there, regardless of how long it took.
1: Talk about Nuno Lydia as a high school or teenager. Were you pretty popular? Did you have a lot of friends? Some, but not many. I had a few close
0: friends. And what happened was that there were some cliques, right? There's the sports kids, there's the cool kids, there's the nerds, right? And so what happened is that I had quite a few friends in all of those groups. And I was hanging around with all of them, but they weren't close. And then I had my really close friends. And so I was always proud of myself that I wasn't boxed in in a particular clique, I always was able to go and roam around different groups, and I'm still able to leverage this ability today, which is, quite, which is interesting. But no, uh, I wasn't that popular, and I just had a few friends, but it helped that I was really good at football, which is a very popular sport in Portugal, so that helps.
1: <laughs> and were you good at school? I mean, did you get good grades, and did you feel pretty competent at classes? On the things that
0: I was interested in, I was extremely good and I was mediocre at everything else. So I was extremely good at English, top of class and what else? Portuguese. So languages, the things that I really
1: cared about, which, which of course have so much to do with gaming. Exactly.
0: (laughs) No, those are the things that I had to do to get where I wanted to go. So I was forcing myself to become better at them, but the way that. I was taught mathematics and physics were joyless. And so there I was really interested in the destination and not in the journey.
1: I mean, that that's really interesting. And I want to break that down a little bit. You're interested in gaming because it was that passion that hit you at 12. You were like, this is what I want to do. But the skill sets you needed that math and physics were not necessarily very joyful for you. On the other hand, things like English and Portuguese were... Was there ever any contemplation of maybe I should be doing those things for a living instead of gaming?
0: (laughs) So that's actually a common misconception. In programming, you don't need that many maths and physics. It turns out that in games programming, some areas really do need maths and physics, but most of programming is logic. And lots of people are logical. I am logical, even though I'm not a great mathematician. And... The other thing is that programming languages are languages. <laughs> and so I was good at English and Portuguese, right? And uh, lots of other kinds of languages. And programming language just fuse logic with the same kinds of things that you would expect to be good at when you learn a normal language, right? So once you get those two things together, then you realize why I was actually doing well, even though I wasn't doing that well in maths or physics.
1: Let's get to some of the touchier subjects. How about relationships? Did you have any important relationships, romantic relationships during high school?
0: Not during high school, just some flirting. (laughs) But important relationships only started after college.
1: What about regrets from that time of your life? Looking back, do you have some regrets of anything that you kind of look back and said, boy, I wish I had done that differently? When I
0: was a teenager, I started to realize that some of the things that I was feeling not so well at could be managed by something that I only much later discovered was called stoicism. But I started to develop this framework for myself. And so as a consequence of that, I realized that I didn't have any regrets. And so I still do not have any regrets. As a consequence of living my life with this idea of, okay, when I'm 90 in my deathbed, when I look back, will I regret this decision? And that is now subconscious. That is the primary metric, which is now made famous by Jeff Bezos, which is called regret minimization. I didn't know that back then, but this is almost subconscious in my mind. And it made sense to me to develop this when I was a teenager, because it felt like I was it was leading me towards a better life. And so since then, it's just since it has become my primary metric to make decisions, I never have regrets.
1: Interesting. and And you think that really started to take place kind of when you were a teenager, you started kind of using this framework, maybe subconsciously, but you were building it into your behavior.
0: Yeah, I was still in Portugal, so I cannot say which age precisely, but probably around between 14 and 16.
1: Would you say that you had a pretty happy childhood?
0: Yeah, I can say that, but only because I found what I wanted to do when I was 12, because my parents weren't in a great state in their relationship, and uh, things in our house weren't particularly, particularly abundant. And so if I hadn't discovered exactly what I wanted to do and put all of my time and resources into getting there and had the focus, perhaps I would have a different answer. But what I can say is that I had a lot of love from my mom and that those two things together would make me able to say that I had a happy childhood.
1: Up to this point, we've talked about your childhood in very positive terms, and you just let in a little bit of cracks there where you talked about, you know, some relationship issues with your parents, some maybe financial issues. If you hadn't found that sense of purpose, would you still have thought of your childhood as a happy childhood? Perhaps
0: not, because I think my parents had quite some difficulty in managing their relationship and it was the normal story of oh we have a kids and we cannot separate and we don't even have the means to separate and go to different houses so we have to cohabit and that does not create the kind of environment that is very loving for a child and i credit my mom a lot because she shielded me from that as much as she could and she gave me a lot of love but I think what really made the difference was for me to have a focus. And once I had that, I could say that it, it, it wasn't that bad. And I learned a lot of things from it also. I also learned how to be frugal. I had this mindset of how to save because of the financial difficulties I had. And so I think overall, it was a good thing. But I wonder how it would have turned out if I hadn't.
1: It kind of makes some sense when you say that your confidence built over time as you were able to realize some of your purpose. Obviously, you were battling probably some confidence issues based on your social situation and what was going on at home. And this having this sense of purpose really gave you a direction. And as you saw yourself getting closer and closer to realizing it, you felt that maybe some of that unstable ground when it came to confidence from being a little kid was kind of building. Up as time went by, talk to me about college. Did you end up getting into the college you wanted to go to? Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things where
0: it had to happen. So I had to go to the University of Lisbon and to get into computer science because it is one of the best, one of the best degrees where I was located. And I wasn't thinking of moving back then. And so that was one of the stepping stones in the journey i had to get into computer science for in the university of lisbon and only afterwards did i have the next stepping stone of actually moving
1: i hear this pattern over and over with you you kind of say i had to do it so i did it have you ever thought about how remarkable that is i mean a lot of people think they have to do a lot of things and yet still can't necessarily achieve what they're hoping to for you that seems to be enough is to say, well, it's what needs to be done. So you go ahead and do it. Is that a fair statement?
0: I think it's a fair statement. And now that you mention it, I think I haven't given it enough thoughts. I haven't calibrated well the probability that other people do not do it like that, because I'm only looking out through my own eyes. I figure other people are similar, but probably not.
1: (laughs) So once you were in college, you were working towards your degree, you got into the place you wanted to tell me was that when you had one of your first romantic relationships
0: yes so it was first year of college and and so computer science degrees they are not well known for having women Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it was probably 95 men five females and so my first relationship was actually with someone from biology
1: tell me what it felt like to fall in love Yeah, it
0: felt really good. (laughs) I think it was the first time that there was that I felt uh, this sense of having a shared journey, a partner with me that I could grow together with. And that felt really good. And that set a benchmark for the rest of my relationships today which is, this is what I would like a relationship to be, shared journey where we both help each other and grow together.
1: And tell me about what happened to your confidence during this time. I mean, as you were saying, your confidence was building, you were getting towards a career you wanted to go into. How did having a relationship affect the way you felt about yourself?
0: That is a good question. I think it helped a lot because especially as a teenager, there's a lot of sense of worth that is derived through status and through how others perceive us. Well, at least that's how it felt to me. I think that's true broadly. And so one of those things of how others perceive me is if you have a relationship or not and how desirable you are. And having a girlfriend definitely helped confidence in there. (laughs) But at the same time, I was also progressing well through my studies, and I was actually doing something that I really enjoyed for the first time, and I was doing well grades-wise. So things were looking up.
1: And you said that relationship lasted for years. Tell me about vaguely how it ended, and did it kind of happen the way you think it should have now looking back at it?
0: Yeah, so it ended because I had to go to England to pursue my master's degree in games programming. So that made it so that that relationship became a long distance relationship and that didn't help things. She was doing a master's, I was doing a master's. We were both in different countries and we were really focused on our careers. And so things ended there and perhaps I could have been a little bit more mature on how to handle it, but it ended because of career, more or less.
1: We are talking to Nuno Lidia and we are discussing the life review process. How do we understand our sense of meaning and purpose? We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down, but the good news is After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Yo, what's up, everybody? Today is Thursday, October 6th, and I have two announcements. One is if you're in the San Diego area, I will be in Mission Valley tonight over at the BJ's. We're going to be having pizza, drinking beer, and talking all things taking stock. I'd love to see you again. That is tonight. Just go to earnandinvest.com slash San Diego. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash San Diego to sign up to hang out with me tonight at BJ's. Also, number two, Taking Stock has been doing really well. We've been selling well, but I would like to see a few more Amazon reviews. So if you have read my book, Taking Stock, please go and give an Amazon review. Even if it is just a star rating, go in there, click five stars. Hopefully you really enjoyed it. The easiest way to get there is to go to com slash book. Again, com slash book. Hope to see you in San Diego. And either way, take a look and see if you can review my book, Taking Stock on Amazon. Now let's get back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Nuno Lidia, and we are doing a life review. We are discussing his life and what it means to his sense of meaning and purpose Before the break, we were discussing his first relationship as well as his college career. Nunu, you left your college program and eventually entered a master's in game programming. Tell me about how it felt to do that master's degree. Did you finally feel like you were learning what you wanted to be your trade for long term?
0: Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I I felt... Fish in water. <laughs> and I, this is what I was supposed to do. I was learning exactly what I wanted. A computer science degree in college gave me some of that, but doing that specific games degree was that feeling times 10. And most importantly, I was near my peers, you know, people that I could relate to that were had the same passions as me. And that also set me up for having relationships in the future that last until now. So the people, some of the people that I met then are some of my best friends right now. And so that was one of the hardest but most rewarding years of my life.
1: Was that the first time you really felt like you met your people? I know that happened to me when I finally was in touch with my sense of purpose. And I was doing those kind of things that were very purposeful to me. I naturally met people who had similar interests. Is that kind of the same how it felt to you?
0: I did have that feeling back then. And it's interesting to look back because now I feel like that is shifting again. And my people are different kinds of people. But that is only with experience that I can say that if I go back to that time, I can say that, yes, that was exactly what happened.
1: That's interesting. And I want to talk about how that sense is shifting now. But before we do, talk about getting your first job, right? So you finished the master's program. Did you get your dream job? What was it? And and how did it feel?
0: That's an interesting Thing to talk about because just last weekend i was with my previous job again and because after staying there for four years and leaving they uh, always invite me back to their summer party and so mm-hmm. that was exactly where i was and so it went well and i really enjoyed having my first job it was at a company called piranha Bytes, and they make role-playing games for consoles and I was there the console programmer working on a game called Reason Tree for the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 back in those days it was those consoles and once I got it I was ecstatic of course but I also felt pretty quickly that I had to prove myself mm-hmm. and so it turned pretty quickly from yes this is really cool I got it to okay now I really have to do it and That was the moment that I realized that, okay, I can do whatever I want to do. If I set myself to do something, I will get it. I realized that at that moment. And then I also realized I won't be satisfied with it. (laughs) And so once I realized that was when I turned the game from, hey, let's just pursue the next thing so that I can get it. And I turned it into a more infinite game of, let me be the best I can be in this. And that's when I started to just learn much more information about how to be the best game developer I could be. And that has continued until now.
1: Talk to me about that dissatisfaction. I've certainly got there, too, in a sense that sometimes when we reach our goals, and I'm sure for you, working in the gaming industry was a huge goal the minute you get there, you realize that you are somewhat dissatisfied, or now that you've reached that peak, there are higher and farther peaks. Is that something you've been seeing in your career, that kind of every time you reach a milestone, as opposed to feeling like you can rest and relax, that yet now there's a newer peak to to climb towards?
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I don't think I'm the kind of person to rest and relax. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... I, that's why, when I saw that in myself, and uh, I'm grateful that I was aware enough to realize it then because I could see myself just going from the next peak to next peak and never being satisfied. When I saw that in myself, that it took me so long to get there, and still I was looking forward to the next thing, I, I knew I needed to change something. That's when I knew that I needed to turn this into an infinite game where the purpose is just to keep playing. Otherwise, I would be just chasing the next milestone and it wouldn't ever feel meaningful.
1: Give me some more detail on what that means. What do you mean when you say turning it into the infinite game? I mean, someone who's in the gaming industry, right? I bet totally understands that in a sense, this is a game that doesn't really have an end that you keep playing. But what does that mean in your real life when it comes to goals and things like purpose?
0: So a finite goal as a destination, it has an end, right? It's like, oh, my score is to get $100,000 or a million or 10 million. Like All of them are finite. You know that you got it or you didn't. And infinite games do not have an end. The only point is to keep playing. And as long as you keep playing the game, you're winning. Hmm. And there is no end goal. And so it just feels joyful to be in the journey to keep playing the game. And it feels joyful to just get better at the game that you're playing because you're still playing, right? But if you have a finite game with a definite goal, it doesn't feel as joyful. I like this quote where it says that desire is a contract that we make with ourselves to be unsatisfied until we get it. And so it's always being unsatisfied until we get to the next milestone and the next milestone. And I saw that for myself as soon as I got the first one. So I didn't want that for myself anymore.
1: Compare and contrast that to the Nunu as a kid. I mean, we talked about this idea that when you were a kid, you had this long-term goal. It took you 10 years and you really weren't happy or satisfied, or maybe you didn't love the journey as much as you love the destination, That sounds completely in contrast to what you're defining more as happiness now, this idea that the infinite journey, joy in the here and now, as opposed to some specific destination, it it sounds a little bit different than how you felt in childhood. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, it is fair. I did feel joy in the journey of getting there, but I had a very clear destination back then. And it was very clear, very full of purpose. And now what it feels like is there's not that much that sense of clarity and purpose, but there is a lot of learning. There is a lot of joy in the process. And so it is different, but I think both stages are joy in different amounts.
1: All right. And now for the difficult questions. Are you happy now?
0: I am happy broadly. <laughs> I think there will always be something that keeps me slightly dissatisfied and slightly aiming towards the next thing and the next phase of growth. And I feel like now being happy is being in balance across all the areas of life that I care about. And there is something that keeps me slightly dissatisfied and keeps me also growing and going towards the next thing. But I would say that, yes, I am.
1: Is there anything your life is missing? Like, do you ever sit down and say, boy, if I could just add this in, everything would be perfect? I don't think
0: I have that feeling of, if I could just have this right now, then everything would be perfect because the whole point is the journey in the first place. And so the struggle to get there Is the point? If I said, oh boy, I would just like to get to the end, Mm -hmm. then what is the point? I would just get another thing like that to get to the end, right?
1: And I'm going to ask this question, although you've kind of already answered it, but I want to ask it just to be clear. Any regrets looking back? No, not really. (laughs) Where do you think your career will be in 10 years? It's difficult to say in 10
0: years, because technology moves so fast and the games industry moves really fast. It is actually one of the biggest changes I've seen in my life. When I started in the games industry, it was seen as, oh, it it causes violence and it's only for teenagers. And nowadays there's more than 2 billion players in the world. It's one of the most remarkable changes. And so who knows what's going to happen in 10 years, but there's, an idea for myself that I would like uh, to to see if I can get done in the world, which is at some point, I would like to bring more joy into programming languages. I think the languages that we use to make games, they are really fast, and they make code fast, but they are not very joyful to code in. And so I would like to make sure that that exists in the world so that I could have more joy while I'm doing this for the next 40 to 50 years. And then also I would like to use that to create a game engine that is built for the internet first so that we can create games collaboratively on the internet. And once that's done, I would like to make sure that people do not have to do what I had to do, which is leave my family and friends to pursue my dream. I would like to make sure that people in Portugal and in other countries can make games wherever they are with their friends. And I would like to make sure that the world like that exists.
1: It's interesting. When you start talking about the coding language, I hark back to what you were saying about how in high school you loved linguistics. And you were mentioning this before, but it really drives it home, this way that you've brought your love of language to what most people think is a very logic and mathematically based business but for you it sounds like it's an art form a language something that has rules but also a certain sense of elegance and it's very clear from talking to you how important that is in what you do
0: absolutely that's one of the things that i didn't know i was going to find while i was programming but it's this idea of creative self-expression which now is very deep within me and is something that i try to find in Almost everything I do, for example, like surfing, no one wave is the same. Everyone surfs a wave differently and they are putting themselves into this wave. That's creative self-expression. It's the same thing I find in coding where engineering meets subjectivity of a person. No person codes the same thing twice. They're putting themselves into their art, right? But you are also interfacing with a machine that is very precise. And so now these two worlds need to collide to create delightful experiences, which in this case are video games. And I find a lot of joy in that process.
1: Do you, after having this conversation or just in general in life, do you feel like you can clarify and and speak to what your own purpose is?
0: My purpose is to bring joy and meaning into other people's lives through the medium of video games.
1: I'm going to do something I normally wouldn't do in a life review process. I'd like to add to that because I feel like there are these things that you say over and over again. I almost think what you just mentioned actually is the product of your purpose. It seems to me your purpose actually is to build and create and learn. And it seems to me that those things are just deeply intertwined with your history to create to be an infinite creator, builder, and learner. And that's kind of how I see you, certainly after this conversation and even before. And I believe the product of that, those things are the joy, the the games, the, the things that you then give unto the world. But I see that as what your identity and purpose tend to be. And I think this conversation drives a lot of that home. I think you can trace, you know, the stories of your childhood, the epiphany of playing that video game and this idea that I need to learn how to be a builder of these games. And yet now you're focused on being an infinite learner, right? Always building, always creating, always learning, not to necessarily have some specific endpoint, but to have that joyful journey. The byproduct, like I said, of that journey is I think that you bring happiness and joy to other people's lives. And it is wonderful to talk to you about your journey and, and what you've created and what you plan to create. When you put all of this into context, do you have fears about what's going to happen in your career, what you're going to pursue in the future? Yeah, thank you
0: for your thoughts. I really appreciate it, I and mean, they do make a lot of sense. Perhaps uh, I, I should take your word for what my purpose is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's not the point. But anyway,
0: I know I get it. Joking. Yes, I do have fears. Every time there is, for me at least, every time there is something that I would like to do or achieve or get to a next step in a new process, a new learning step, there is some kind of doubt that I might not get there. And it's not a stepping stone. It's more of a, can I go into this journey? Do I really want to go into this journey? And I think it's also part of the struggle to figure that process out. And so I have some doubts and some fears, but I'm also pretty sure that I will figure it out as I go along.
1: Yeah, And also, when you look at your life review and the conversation we had, I think part of the reason you have doubt and fears is because for some reason, when you talk about the future, you flip back into destination, whereas when you really talk about your life, where the joy for you is in the journey. So maybe the point of this being that as opposed to being fearful about whether you'll reach a destination or not... Actually, I think what brings you joy is the journey that you take to get to whatever that destination may be, success or failure. And I think if you can reframe things to think about the journey that you'll be taking, as opposed to the destination you may or may not get to, you'll recognize that that fear is more excitement, excitement at the possibility of doing new things, getting psyched up for stepping into something that's new and maybe scary because it's unknown. But don't forget, The way, at least when we've talked about your life, ultimately the destination has not been the end goal. So don't forget not to do that in the future and to start thinking, oh, now all of a sudden, because it's the future, I'm going to start thinking about that destination. That may not be necessary.
0: That is a good point. And I'm aware that the flip coin of that fear is excitement. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) When I look into the future, that fear is not from a negative place. It is from a very exciting place. And you're right. It's uh, good to remember that.
1: Well, Nunu, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. To bare your soul, to answer these questions about your childhood and to think deeply about meaning and purpose are not easy things to do. On the other hand, I think they are just so important I want to end this conversation the way I end every conversation by asking you, what is up next in your life? And if people want to reach out to you to learn more, how can they? So first and foremost, what is up next in your life?
0: So next in my life is continuing to build on the meaningful relationships that I have, to have great conversations with my friends and with my family. And those bring a lot of joy to me. And also to continue in this Career path that I'm on, which is, as you said, an infinite builder and learner, <laughs> and wherever that may take me. And people can reach me at myfirstname.mylastname at epicgames.com. No, no, dot at epicgames.com.
1: This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Nunu Lydia. That's a wrap. Awesome. All right, so tell me how you I keep it ro- rolling just to record whatever we talk afterwards. But tell me how that sure. felt and was it eye-opening or not eye-opening at all or did you connect with any of it?
0: Yeah, I think there were some insights which I did not expect to get <laughs> from from your part um, which was when I look into the future, I'm looking at it as a destination again. Yeah, and I've noticed that I've done that and I'm not sure how to flip it around, but at least now that I'm aware, I can perhaps think
1: about it. And don't forget that's how you started, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's exactly what you started with that 12-year-old you was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to get there. I don't care what it's going to take, but I'm going to get there. And so you were very destination-focused when you were younger, but I do think you evolved, like based on that conversation, you evolved in that sense that you started talking about the infinite game, which is, I think, a fantastic way of talking about... A, a forever journeyer, right yeah but back
0: then i had the destination with a lot of clarity
1: yeah. and now i'm
0: talking about destinations but without the clarity so but
1: i think that's evolving though i think you I, I don't know how to put this we grow outside of ourselves right when we're young we have simple goals simple ideas and therefore simple destinations when you get older and much more complex it becomes a lot more amorphous like you i hate it's almost like you ooze right you don't as opposed to when you were young you shot like an arrow when you're older you you ooze out in all directions you touch things near and far you change the world in way less definable ways and that's part of the beauty of being a complex human being you're a lot more complex than you were when you were 12 years old for sure and that's and that's and that's beautiful though like that is like the beauty of growing in life and you because you are an infinite learner your life your destinations whatever we're going to call them are going to get more and more complex it's no longer going to be I want to have this for a job or I want to build this game it's going to be a lot more vague like maybe it's I want to create a, a beautiful computing language maybe it's again more vague I just want to touch lives or I want to bring joy to people those things are squishy. They don't have clear specific point destinations. Um, And that may feel a little uncomfortable to you until you start embracing the fact that you're just, yeah, you're a, a way more complex guy than you were back then.
0: That is true. And back then I had this one thing that I wanted to do. And that was what brought me happiness. And today, as I told you, the way that I feel happy is when I'm in balance across all the areas of my life. I did not have areas of life back then. (laughs) And that was actually the thing that I realized was the problem was I was not comfortable with all this complexity and all of this awareness of multiple paths. Uh, And so that was why my question to the group, you know, you remember when we did all of this uh, yeah, this exercise yes. of what's your question? My question was, how can I be more comfortable with not knowing what the path is? You know?
1: But that's exactly it. I mean, the question is the answer. On some level, you've got to let go of destination because your purpose is to be a builder and a learner. And those are all journeying techniques. <laughs> They're not destination techniques who you are and what you're about it's all about the journey it's all about the infinite game it's funny cuz again when you go to the future you ch- try to box yourself in and so i do i imagine that causes fear right because all of a sudden your sense of you're almost questioning your own sense of purpose because you're saying okay mm-hmm. it isn't being a journey or it isn't being an infinite learner It isn't being someone who's always on the path. You're saying, no, no, no. My my purpose now is a destination. And that feels scary and uncomfortable. Um, The question is, does it feel scary and uncomfortable because you're growing and it should be a specific destination? I'm going to argue from what I know of you that it's the opposite around. I don't think it should be. I don't think that's who you are, but I could be wrong, right? Maybe you're looking at yourself and saying, no, 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 I really am destination focused. And then you would have to, you know, recalculate and rethink about what your true purpose is. But I'm, my guess is it's uncomfortable because it's actually somewhat counter Mm -hmm. to what truly you feel purposeful and identify doing.
0: I never thought about it that way, but... I feel like it resonates in a sense. So I will think about it. (laughs) Perhaps that way of of looking at things might help.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think destinations for you have to be general guides, but they don't have to be the decision maker of whether this is worth doing or not. Because for you, I think whether it's worth doing or not is going to be the journey. Like, am I learning? Am I growing? Am I building? Am I contributing to the infinite game? Those are going to be your why or why not. Your destinations are going to be just little guideposts, right? Yeah. And once you reach one, you then you'll have to set a new infinite game up, right? <laughs> um, but I don't think they should be the end-all, be-all. Because, I again, just from what I know of you and my outside opinion of reading and listening in is, is those things are not ultimately your goals. You make great points. <laughs> it's interesting. You're, you're a complex man, Nunu.
0: i'll take that as a compliment
1: (laughs) either way thank you for being a good sport and and doing this and i think it was a lot of fun want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money well i've got the podcast for you i'm sean piles and i host nerd wallets smart money podcast our show features our team of nerds personal finance experts in credit cards banking investing and more and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime
0: foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlaz,